You're now tuned in to Life Song Radio, a weekly podcast dedicated to accurately studying the Word of God in a comprehensive and biblical manner. Listen in as host Phil Ramsey, Blake Shankle, and Tom Hammond dig into the Word line by line, verse by verse, leaving no stone unturned. Grab your Bible and your notebook and get prepared to study the living, breathing, active Word of God. Now, here are your hosts of Life Song Radio. Hello and welcome to another episode of Life Song Radio. My name is Blake Shankle and I have the two greatest men in the world with me. Mr. Tom Hammond, Mr. Phil Ramsey. Guys, good to see you. Good the, to be here. The world is this big, by the way. Yeah. Well, it, it's, it's John, relative. You, yeah, John <laughs> used the world over 10 different ways. Yeah. So I'm going to use it in the most narrow yeah. sense. We're in the skinning shed, so that's the world. <laughs> that's it. Tonight it is. So, yeah. uh, man, it's good to see you guys tonight uh, or today. We're just glad to be back, uh, being just studying God's Word. It's such a great time to be get with you guys. I learn so much when we're together. We get to get it all out on the table, especially in Romans chapter 11. But, you know, Tom is back mm-hmm. with us from the great state of I can't even get that word out of my mouth. That doesn't even go together, California. California. But uh, I've seen some avocados. <laughs> they, put, they put avocado on the ice cream cone. Man. Uh, it's land of fruits and nuts. You know, we don't have much time to get into it today because we got some big scripture. But next week, I'd like to hear you know more about your trip. You know, from you know just kind of with with um, with that group out there and road trip to truth. So uh, looking forward to that. But glad to have you back this week. And uh, uh, your shirt—it looks like eerily familiar from last week as well. So, uh, but uh, we're good to have you back. So, uh, man, I don't know where else to start other than Phil. You left us hanging with some big scripture, yeah. And we, man, we just need to get right into it. Yeah, and I would encourage you to really feel what's going on and why we why we feel like this right now is is to if you didn't listen to last week, we ended on verse twenty one. Like I said, we're in, uh, we're in chapter eleven, and uh, I would encourage you to go back and listen to that. But before we do, when we're studying the Word of God, what? How do we come at the Word? What? What do we do in order to interpret the Scripture correctly? Do we just read it and believe what it's saying right there, and just take it and run with it, or, Tom, what do you do? What do well, you go if, by? If you take that approach, you're going to end up with a, a limitless number of theologies, and none of them are going to fit together and that's what happens and that's what happens very often with people they will just take a portion of scripture and try to develop an entire theology around it Mm. um not being uh, aware of maybe what scripture says somewhere else and certainly not making any attempt to tie them together that's why it's so important that people get into the word that they study this on a little bit deeper level than a lot of people sometimes think they they should because the number one rule, to go back to your question, of interpreting Scripture is to let Scripture interpret Scripture. You have to, and what, what I mean by that, now you're not going to say, well, I don't get this verse. Where is a verse that explains this verse? It's not going to do it in that as a sort of elementary style. But what that means is, is that I have to understand this in light of what Scripture says somewhere else. We start with the uh, belief that Scripture is inerrant. Mm -hmm. That's why that question is so important. Churches have split over that. Is Scripture inerrant or does it have error in it? Yeah. So if you start with 
some kind of idea has got air in it, what's your what's your stand? What's your cannon? Yeah. What what is going to what decide feel, what what feels right and how you picture God in your mind and how He would operate and how He would work according to what you think. But if I start with the belief that Scripture is inerrant, the first thing I'm going to realize is that it does not contradict itself. Correct. Now, there's a lot of people say, well, there's contradictions in it. Boy, that would be a neat study uh, to show how they're not. Oh, I know. It's it, Really, uh, I was talking to a, a, a pastor, right, one day, and uh, he said there was error in the Bible. And uh, I said, well, what I want you to do is I want you to go through the Scripture, the whole Bible. Give me your number one error that makes you come to the conclusion that there are errors in the Bible. He said, well, all right, I'll do it. And here it is. And so a day or two later, I got back with him, laid it out beautifully. And uh, he said, uh, well, I can't argue with that. Yeah. So there's no there's no errors in the Bible. There's things that are hard to comprehend. There's a lot of layers. We're not fully going to get it all. We're just not. Bible says we're not. Well, <clears throat> but eras, well, yeah. no contradictions. Well, just like you said, there's some presuppositions that we bring to Scripture, and these are these are hermeneutics. These are basic hermeneutics that we bring, and that as from the Christian view, we have to bring some presuppositions. We leave our pre-understandings at the door, but presuppositions, infallibility, right? We it is without error, right? Inspiration of under the Holy Spirit. Men wrote it, but yet inspired by mm. God Himself. God breathed is what it is, as Timothy says. It's sufficient. Right, inerrant, and then non-contradiction. There's and, a, and that's the premise we teach this show from. Mm-hmm. When you come to Life Song Radio, yeah. uh, to this show, that is the premise we teach from. We teach it from the standpoint of this is God breathed, yeah, and it is without error. So to get back to your question, and I think the reason you brought it up, we've got some difficult passages here that may look like they're saying one thing. And we're going to see if they're, if they're saying what jumps off the page to a lot of people. Absolutely. Or if there's another way to look well, at it. Well, I that. would say you're exactly right, Tom. And just real quick, I'll make that point. There's a lot of people who have, based off of patches just like this, maybe another passage as well, has built a whole theology based off of it. And a whole denomination has been, they have this belief within their denomination. Yes. And it and it it really goes against the security of the believer or the doctrine of election really is what it goes against. Well, let's read this. Let's look at what we're talking about. It's verses 21 through 24. Someone would read that. And uh, this is a serious passage. Yeah, I'll get it. 21 through 24. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, This just goes on with what we did last week. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. Verse 22. Behold then the kindness and severity of God to those who fail. Severity. But to you, God's kindness. If you continue in his kindness, otherwise you also will be cut off. And they also, if they do not continue in their unbelief, will be grafted in. For God is able to graft them in again. For if you were cut off from what is by nature a wild olive tree and were grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these who are the natural branches be grafted into their own olive tree? And let's just very quickly, if, if, uh, we've, if we've got new viewers this week who have not been following along this chapter, this is a metaphor. What Paul is talking about is the nation of Israel which are the natural branches and the Gentile church uh, that he's calling the wild, uh, uncultivated mm-hmm. branches. Correct. And the, what he's talking about here is that 
now in this age, in this dispensation, the nation of Israel has been rejected for a time. They have been cut out of the tree of salvation, as it were, and the Gentile church has been grafted in. And the question that I think uh, Phil was trying to raise at the beginning of the show is, is, is this passage teaching you can lose your salvation? And, yeah, and the question when we ended last week, and I'll just we'll throw it out there because this is a reality. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. So we know in the history that if you're a natural branch and you've been cut off and you're on the ground – the reality is that you are in hell at this specific time. So, so now you take that. That's what he did to the natural branch. Now there are Jews being saved. We've discussed that, right. but we have unbelieving Jews that are are dying and are going to hell. So that's what God has done. And here's what he's telling the Gentile: He will not spare you either. Yeah. So hmm. let's so let's decide who he's talking about and let's go back to this hermeneutic if scripture is um, without error how are we to interpret it now when you come to metaphor there are some rules you have to follow to interpret rightly and specifically with this particular metaphor i want to throw out five things we need to keep in mind for how to interpret this now i've already said rule number one is you let scripture interpret scripture Second rule meaning we, meaning meaning that other scripture that we we can't just let one verse dictate things right we allow other verses throughout the whole Bible the canon of the Bible to explain this verse as well to help us explain it rather than come up with a doctrine based off one verse correct yeah, God's never going he's never going to go against what he what he said yeah. so yeah. what we got to do it's our job to figure out yeah. what's going on yeah. what God is saying second rule um when you're interpreting a metaphor like this is to go no further than the author intended. Paul is really not trying to lay out the entire theology I'm, of Christianity. I'm bad at that. If y'all notice how, if you, hey, off camera, if there, put, if there put, is <laughs> ever a guy I've known who wants to chase every rabbit. Where's that drawing that you drew ranging. earlier? As soon yeah. as we walked in, I put a piece of paper out and I said, look at this. Yeah. And, and Tom's like, you, you're just going way. I said, well, these things, this is how my brain operates. Well, that brings up rule three. Metaphors <laughs> seldom explain every detail. They, they kind of. I thought you were going to say, Phil is always wrong. <laughs> Whatever was, sorry. So, so what does this understanding, this metaphor, depend on? It's going to depend on the validity of what we call the doctrine of perseverance, or yeah. the way a lot of listeners have under have always heard it is the doctrine of once saved, always saved. Mm-hmm. Now, if whether that doctrine is true or not determines how we have to interpret this metaphor. Correct. So. Our first question is not how do branches that were grafted in get cut off? The, the first question we've got to answer is, is it once saved, always saved? Or is it saved for a little while? Yeah. Yeah. So, Well, based upon Scripture, uh, well, Let's just that 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 one saved always. I don't, saved. I don't like that saying. Well, it's a true statement, and I don't, it is. But, but I don't. But like we've it. but we've in the Baptist culture we have made that an easy believism, if you will, because our salvation we've made it to where and I preached about this last week is is we've made it to the point where we raise our hand, we say a prayer, and we walk an aisle, we sign a card, and we say I've been saved, but yet our life does not reflect our new master, 
The obedience is not followed. We just said, yeah, I'm saved and I'm good and I'm, I, I recognize myself as a Christian, yet I don't walk as one. But, but I'm once saved, always saved. And, and so we use that to throw around to, to help, yeah. to help soften the blow. it makes you feel any better, that's not even the, the whole saying. The whole saying is once saved, always saved, never once, never saved. And that's what people never they never tack on that second part. Mm. But that's the way people understand it. Yeah. If, if, if it's, Are you secure in your salvation? Absolutely. Or, or can you be yeah. cut out of that truth? Truly elected. Well, that's here we have the doctrine of eternal election as well. We don't, we've don't. we totally said it about this in chapter 8 is, is yeah. uh, salvation is truly out of our hands. So, you're, so in chapter 8, we have established on this show, and you can go back and look at those yeah. shows, we've established that the doctrine of perseverance is sound doctrine, correct? Yes. Okay. If we have established the doctrine of perseverance as sound doctrine, then we have to interpret this metaphor in light of that. That's true. Yeah, it, absolutely. So, absolutely. So, and it's even better that it's even in the same book. So, it, yeah, it's in the same, uh, same epistle, the same letter. So now we go back and have to ask this question then. Who is Paul talking about getting cut off? Mm-hmm. Now, let me say this before we answer that question. This is not a new concept. This is not just a Pauline uh, teaching about uh, people being cut off. John talks about it in three different places. He quoted Jesus in in his gospel, John 15. This is Jesus uh, talking. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Then Jesus says this. He says, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up, and they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. So John basically repeats the, all, the same metaphor. He, he doesn't talk about the root or is more of a vine than a tree, but it's really the same metaphor. Then the same apostle John, when he writes the book of Revelation, and the letters to the churches in chapters 2 and 3. He writes to two churches, one in Pergamum. Uh, that's Revelation 2. And Jesus says, uh, says, I have a few things against you because he talks about the, they're accepting two different false teachings in the church at Pergamum. Uh, Pergamum. Verse 16, uh, Jesus says, Therefore repent, or else I'm coming to you quickly, and I will make war against them with the sword of my mouth. Hmm. And then in the next chapter, Revelation 3, uh, he constructed John to write a letter to the church at Laodicea. That was the lukewarm church. Jesus says, man, I wish you were hot or cold. And because you're neither hot or cold, he says, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth, Mm -hmm. which is the same Mm -hmm. uh, concept. So this is not a purely Pauline kind of doctrine in that those who were insiders become out they get expelled those who were included get expelled so who let's go back to the question if the doctrine of perseverance is sound doctrine who could paul possibly be talking about here as to the branches that are going to get cut off yeah i would say here those getting cut off would be the the gentiles who look like christians who are in the church but yet have not come to a saving faith in jesus christ let's just let's just call it the false church that's good yeah let's just call it the false church and slash or false converts sure because there are a lot of true churches that are full of false converts 
Now, there are churches out here that have adopted a liberal theology. They have, uh, and what we mean by that is, is that one one of the um, one trait of liberal theologies they don't believe in the inerrancy of Scripture, which leaves themselves as the final arbiter of truth. Um, they have adopted all kinds of uh, of uh, cultural type interpretations. In other words, it's kind of a moving document. You can't just really nail it and say, well, it's that's maybe not absolutely true for all people at all times. Kind of like the Constitution. Kind of like the Constitution. Yeah, well, we're having the same debate with the Constitution in the United States. Yes, some who hold that it's to be understood as the the original authors intended for it too. Others say, no, this is a move. It moves with the the times. And that's the way liberal theology looks at Scripture. So, I think what who Paul is talking about here is the apostate church. If you go back to the church at Pergamum, Laodicea, problems in those churches that uh, were going to uh, result in their expulsion. Okay, but here's the thing about it. Here's the thing about the false church and false converts. They are still blessed by association. Now, how do you know? Well, who's a false convert? Well, we're going to say, well, that's a person who hasn't truly confessed Jesus as Lord and uh, so on and so forth. Jesus actually said we would know them by their fruit. Hmm. Jesus, he didn't get into all that. He just said, no, I'll make this real simple. You're going to know who's truly mine uh, by their fruit. And I think the illustration when Jesus cursed the fig tree was the fig tree out doing bad things to people? Was the fig tree out stealing and and was the fig tree blaspheming God? Was the fig tree committing breaking all these Ten Commandments? No. What was the fig tree guilty of? Not bearing Not fruit. fruit. Yeah. And Jesus cursed the fig tree. So I the the false converts are non fruit bearers. Yeah. They they I'll say this. They bear fruit. It's just not good fruit. Uh, yeah, yeah. They can they can appear on the outside to be doing good and godly things. They can even be casting out demons. They can be prophesying. They can be doing a lot of stuff. They have fruit. It's just not good fruit. If you examine it closely, you can tell that. Sounds, and, sounds much like Matthew 7, yeah, 21, 22, Phil. Right in there. Okay. And Paul, actually, you know, you made me think of what he said back in chapter 2 when he was differentiating the, the true branches from the false branches. Uh, he wasn't using the metaphor of branches there, but he was differentiating the saved from the unsaved. And one of the things he said that God was going to judge, his wrath was going to be uh, – uh, th- that his wrath would cause judgment against was our, the motive. So a lot of times people come to me and say, well, what about a lost person who does go down here when a hurricane hits and, and helps and does good things for people? They're good neighbors. Yep. They're good citizens. They, they should do that. They, yep. they serve we on the boards. Yeah. And Paul tells us in chapter two of this very epistle, says, yeah, but what's going to get judged there mm-hmm. is where the motives behind That's it. That's right. That's right. There, there was a self self uh, uh, centeredness to the motive it. rather than to glorify God. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times, the good things we see in people 
what God is going to do, he's going to look under that layer. Yeah. Well, he, he says they're filthy rags. Yeah. He, he, yeah. Th- well, they're filthy rags, but relatively speaking, good productive citizens. You know, yeah. just, just good, But to him, people, from a righteousness standpoint, yeah. to, to bring before God to say, I've done this good. But, but, but we all are. But we're all are. I'm tr- I'm, what I'm trying to you, differentiate get, is the yeah. motive. Yeah. 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 Agree. The, the, the true Christian is motivated to glorify God. That's right. When, when the lost person can do the exact same thing. Yeah. But it's with the wrong motive. Right. Glorifying themselves. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. So, well, go ahead. No, no. Well, I was just going to say, so so looking at this scripture, so we've laid that down. We've laid that a couple things here. We've said a lot. So we've we've talked about this doctrine of uh, this perseverance. And I want, I want to get to that here in just a second. But first of all, we've said that we're not talking about those who lose their salvation. So going back to 21, th- these are people who we're not saying, and, and this is not what Paul's teaching is, is that you've come to a saving faith in Jesus Christ. He's not saying, oh, you are in jeopardy of losing that. That can't happen. Chapter 8, he has sewed that up in chapter 8 because well, it was it can a, happen. It can well, happen. Not if, if you've come to faith in Christ. If God's a liar. Well, well, okay, that too. That's true. <laughs> if he's a liar, it can well, happen, but he's it, not. Titus, it, I think, cleared that up. If you yeah. didn't do anything to gain your salvation, you definitely can't do anything to lose your salvation. So that's not what Paul's saying. So here in verse 21, just to clear it up, for if God had not spared the natural branches, which we're saying is Israel, and he's making this point with this metaphor. We don't want to get too caught up in the the details, really. He's making this metaphor, that is, is that, look, he cut off Israel, who, who was receiving these blessings, right? They were part of the root. They were receiving these blessings. If he says, if he will do that, he will not spare you either. You Gentiles who weren't a part of that original blessing, he certainly will cut you off too. Don't get arrogant. It goes back to that, don't be arrogant. Yeah. Then And then he moves on to this 22 and he says, behold. And this is a big word when we come to Scripture, right? It's, it's really putting an exclamation point, the spotlight upon this. He's like, he's saying, look here, guys. Look here, Gentile church. Watch this. Behold, then the kindness and severity of God. And and I love this, how he does this. This is this is Paul. He doesn't hold punches. He, he doesn't hold back. He doesn't draw on one side or the other. You know, he doesn't put more weight on the kindness rather than the severity. And this is something the church has done is more the kindness of God. In the last 50, 60 years, they, we came out of this hellfire brimstone era yeah. revival. Yeah, the Puritans and, yeah. You know, in the early uh, uh, 20th century. And uh, my grandparents, you but know. Even, that's right. Came up through that. And people really knocked that. I will say one thing. Go around to your communities. See when a lot of those churches were established. Yeah. They were established during that hellfire brimstone era. Yep. So, but it got a really bad connotation, and the church started, the church got ashamed of it and started uh, being embarrassed by it. Mm -hmm. So, starting in about the 1940s, 50s, all the focus now is on God's love. Yeah. Not on God's wrath. Very, uh, and Paul very much brings it up. When you read that, uh, I think Paul is playing off what he wrote in the same epistle back. We call it this chapter two. It wasn't chapter two to Paul, but uh, verse 22. Let me read that again. Mm-hmm. You just read it. Behold, then the kindness and severity of God to those who fail severity, but to you God's kindness. If you'll go back to Romans two, start verse four, Paul said this, or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you uh, to repentance? says, but because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. So he, if we go back to chapter 2, 
we're going to let Scripture interpret Scripture. Let's ask the question, why are these grafted in branches now? Why is Paul saying you need to be in fear? If God cut off the natural branches, he will cut you off too. What are they being cut off for? And I think we have narrowed it down to two things. One from chapter two is they have never repented because we can read chapter two that that is intimately tied to mm-hmm. true salvation. But then I think right here where we are in chapter 11, if we just go back to one of the verses we read last week, verse 20, just look up there, verse 20, 11, 20, quite right. Then they were broken off for what? The, the natural. Unbelief. So the grafted in branches will be broken off for what? Yeah, their unbelief as their well. Their unbelief as well. Yeah. yeah. And, and there's this, we have the kindness of God. We, we know that oh so well, right? The mercy that's been granted to us that we deserve nothing of. We the saved. Yeah, now, the, the, yeah. The, the, the branches Absolutely. are going to be cut off. If yeah. never have not known that. Yeah, this this kindness being the salvation kindness. This this kindness being this mercy granted to those who that he chose from the foundation of the world. Right. That this this we didn't merit anything. We didn't do anything. But he he lavishly granted salvation to us based upon what Jesus did and based upon his choosing. We have this, right? But then he says, and. It's not a but. It's not a either or. It's an and. We have this this other side of God. We have to remember, we have to turn the diamond. We have to see all these layers of God. And there's this severity of God. And that's what the Jews felt, right? Those who were unbelief, those natural branches, they felt the severity of God. And he's saying the same thing to the natural the wild olive branches. He's saying, you will face the severity of God as well if you continue in your unbelief. It, you... Well, Let's tie. Okay, perfect. Let's make full circle now. We said at the beginning of this discussion earlier in the show that we were going to let Scripture interpret Scripture. So we asked the question: Is the doctrine of perseverance sound doctrine? Yes, we agree it is. We did. Let's follow the logic. Step two: We have seen that the natural branches that were cut off were cut off for unbelief. Mm -hmm. Step three. We have seen that if the grafted in wild branches are cut off, it will be because they did not repent and were in unbelief. So let's go back to the original question Phil asked at the beginning of the show. Can the saved lose their salvation? We have pinpointed it that any branch that gets cut off will be for unbelief unbelief and lack of repentance. Yep. Were they ever saved to start with? No. Do you see how that all comes together? I do. And when you use these hermeneutical principles to tackle these tough passages like this, there's no need to get off into all these tangents or or crazy notions that this is teaching that a saved, truly saved person can lose that salvation. When we followed the steps of logic, we came to the conclusion these branches have never repented and and do not believe. So we're not talking about a, a branch that was ever saved to start with. That's it. That's it. That, and, and that's the point Paul's making. So he's not saying that you've lost your salvation. He's saying he, you never had it. He never had it. That's the thing. I mean, Hebrews 6 talks about this with the Jewish person. In Hebrews 6, right, he goes through that. He says, you once partake of the Holy Spirit, which you you, you, weren't, you were, you in fact, in fact, Convicted of your could have been convicted of your sins, but you never went the full way of your salvation. You never put your, put your full faith in Jesus Christ. Now, without getting into eschatology, uh, there's going to be a fulfillment when this actually they these are uh, conditional if clauses in this passage. We translate in English if, mm-hmm. and they are conditional uh, conjunctions for, in the Greek. 
But we know from other scripture, let's go back to our first rule of hermeneutics when we let scripture interpret scripture. We know from other scriptures that this is actually going to happen, that the apostate church is going to be cut off. Uh, that does not happen until uh, in, in finality, until Revelation chapter 17, uh, the apostate church. Uh, will be destroyed by the beast. It's called Mystery Babylon mm. is, is what the apostate church is called there. We won't get into that. But it is going to happen. But here's the other side of what's going to happen, and we're going to have to wait for the next show to get into it. I want to talk about these branches that get grafted back in. Yeah. This restoration of Israel. And that's the big point. That's the big point of Romans he's, 11. He's been working his whole way up to that, correct? So I say at the end of every show, I can't wait to get back. I mean it. I, I truly mean every time. I cannot wait to get back because, man, now can we go back to the Old Testament, look at these promises, and read it correctly in the literal hermeneutic, and let's look at what these natural branches that get grafted back in, what that's going to look like, yeah. what that's going to entail. And, man, I cannot wait to talk about that. Yeah, it's going to be good. And, and you know, I just think I can't help but – Paul, knowing knowing his scripture very well here, knowing the promises of Daniel, the promises of Isaiah, the promises of Ezekiel, Jeremiah, these promises. Zechariah, man. Yeah, Zechariah. He's knowing these, even with even with Revelation coming up. Yeah, Revelation hasn't even been written yet, but yet he's he's seeing this come to fruition and he, you know, he's no, but he knows scripture. Why? Because he trusts God's word. He's trusted it from the beginning, and he's he's fulfilled. He's showing us how this is fulfilled out. So he didn't even need the Book of Revelation. <laughs> really, no, John, John wrote that for us, not for Paul. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Paul was. He's like, no, I got this. I, I fully well know how it's going to go out. But um, but look here, he says here, I, we got time, right? Let's just finish out this real quick. He says, if you continue in your kindness, otherwise you also will be cut off. If you will continue in his kindness, there's that perseverance of the saints that we're talking about. There's a continuance, right, Phil? Yeah. We don't just we don't just come to the Lord and make a profession of faith and and then and then what? Just walk away from it and then live like live like the world on Monday through Saturday? We don't do that. That's not us. We're changed. We're born again. We're new believers in Christ. I think and we John said in his first uh, in his first epistle, not his gospel, but in John 1, he said if you do that, you were never of me, uh, or or never of of us. He yeah. said, "Those that left us were never of yeah, us." Yeah, they weren't, and and that's the thing. We must continue. It's this perseverance, and it's a it's a true. That's the that's the true doctrine of it. it he's then talked about it here in Romans and in other ways, other places as well. Yeah. God's God's in this too. By the way, I mean we we persevere, but he's he's in it. Well, he says, "I'm the one that's going to sanctify you." Yeah. And then one day you're going to be glorified. Yeah. So we, we know this salvation. What do we look at it? Past, present, and future, right? We look at it as this ongoing salvation. Yeah, justified when we come to know the Lord, but yet there's this ongoing sanctification and there's direction. We've always said this, not perfection, right? We're going to sin, but there's a direction. And, and we ought to be able to look back. It doesn't mean we take a step back sometimes, but when we do, we should be able to take two steps forward. And in your life... You ought to look back in your life. Can you say you've progressed in sanctification in the image of Christ? Look back five years. Have you progressed? Have you progressed over 10 years from when you maybe come to know the Lord? If not, there needs to be some evaluation of the fruit. Couldn't you say that? Absolutely. We need to be some good fruit inspectors here and evaluate our own selves according to the Word of God. Because there may be, may be that it's time to repent, or it may be that I was never saved to begin with. Something to think about here that I think yeah. Paul pulls here. I don't 
we don't we're running out of time because well, we've, but, we've but run we out of time we, but that was one <laughs> we've done that in one verse uh, but it's a big verse though yeah. but we have to do all that really so we don't create some funky doctrine out there or some other salvation because you know what could anything be worse than having the doctrine that you can lose your salvation could how, you would live in fear your whole life every day do I have I heard it? someone one time who had that belief at one time in his life he said my my greatest hope was to die in the baptistry <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's you know well it, it and it's so many ramifications to that you could just chase it forever and ever and so look here I, I just as we close I mean if your faith is in Christ it is secured you didn't do anything to get you there and you can't, certainly can't get yourself out of it but if it's not if it's questionable if you say well my, my life doesn't my life doesn't look like this my life doesn't and I haven't been obedient to Christ. It's time to repent. It's time to come to him. And he says, I will save you to the uttermost. You will be cut off. Yeah, you will be it's cut off. It's guaranteed. It you is. You will be cut it off. It is. And, and and there's that, you know you know what? It goes back to that abandonment wrath we talked about in chapter one. God, look here. The older you get and the more times you push that gospel off, that message off. Look, someone said that there isn't many deathbed conversions. It just doesn't happen. God eventually, he'll push that boat down from the from the dock and he'll let it go on its own. And there's an abandonment wrath. And that's the wrath we need to be scared of, yeah. is this abandonment wrath from God. So anyway, man, we've talked a long time. What a great Bible study. I love this, man. It's just some great points to pull from. I hope you enjoyed it as well. We're so thankful that you joined us this week for another episode of Life Song Radio. Again, we always point you to our Facebook page. Uh, Phil keeps that up. Uh, Fa- uh, Life Song Radio, you can just Google that or put that into Facebook. I don't know how Facebook works, but you can do that. You can also join us on our, our website. That's where you can keep up with us, lifesongradio.com. That's lifesongradio.com. There's no S after any of that. And then uh, email us, lifesongradio01 at gmail.com, lifesongradio01 at gmail.com. I check that every day. Love to hear from you. Just give us some comments, feedback. But, man, we just hope to see you next week for another edition of Life Song Radio. You've been listening to Life Song Radio. You can follow us on Facebook and YouTube. And if you want to continue to study throughout the week, check out the resources available on our website at lifesongradio.com. See you next week for another episode of Life Song Radio.